0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I would invite you to take hold of a hymnal that is in the pew rack in front of you, and turn to page 203. And on page 203, what you'll find there is the first page of Divine Service Setting 4, which is the service that we are doing today. What you'll see there on page 203 is the confession and absolution that we began the service with. Our topic for today in the liturgy is, in fact, on the next page. But I want you to stay on this page for just a moment because the confession and absolution flowing from the remembrance of our baptism is something that I have preached on a several times already this year. And so I'm not going to preach on it again. If you have missed any of those sermons on confession and absolution, in the newsletter that you just got by email, there is a link that you can click to hear my Ash Wednesday sermon, which was on confession and absolution as we were preaching through the catechism. And I would encourage you to do that if you missed that service. Ash Wednesday was back in February on. Ash Wednesday. <laughs> so if you weren't here for Ash Wednesday and want to hear about Confession and Absolution, that's a place to go. So I'm not going to repeat all of that again. However, what I would say is this. We spoke two weeks ago about the words of the invocation, about the power of the name of God as it begins our service and as it experientially Brings our baptism and its promises to the poor as we enter into the presence of God. That is very important. Based on the fact that we carry the name of God into his presence, that is one of the things, it's the primary thing that gives us confidence in order to even engage in confession and absolution. If we didn't know, that there was a word of forgiveness to be declared to us as we come before the Lord humbly, we would probably not be all that thrilled with the idea of coming clean with God. We would probably want to hide a lot of things like we got in the habit of doing, I'm sure, with our parents or with other folks around us as we tried to avoid responsibility for all the things that we had done. And When it comes to God, What we have done and said and thought, all is in front of him. He doesn't have to go investigating anything because he knows it all already. On the basis of our baptism, though, we know that there is a word of grace that follows that word of humble confession, that we are sinners by thought, word, and deed, et cetera. And so that gives us the confidence that we need to come before the Lord and not be tentative about our confessing of our sins, but also that to hear his direct word of forgiveness. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That said, all of that is preparation. The divine service itself actually begins on the next page, at which point I would invite you to turn the page. The service of the word, that bold letter type up at the top, indicates that a new thing is beginning. And the new thing begins with this rite of entrance. How do we come into the presence of God? It is kind of an awkward thing. I, I suppose you've all kind of gotten used to it so far, but in the preparation service, I come up and we conduct confession and absolution in this general way, and then I scurry back to the back in order to get into the procession for the cross to come forward so that we can start the service. Because this is actually where the service itself begins. <coughs> the entrance hymn or the entrance rhyme. And We have three options in front of us here. There is an intro it. That's a fun version. There's a song and there's an entrance him. Originally, this introit was the main thing, just the one option. An introit is simply a word that means he's coming in. At that point, that's when the clergy and all of the assistants and the person carrying the cross and all the things happening in the procession. We're coming in. This was the first thing that happened. This is how the service began. And it was an intro. It was a section of one of the Psalms or another reading from the Old Testament that set the theme for the day. And it still serves that purpose. It's, and there are specific introits that are actually dedicated for every Sunday morning church service. They're not in your book, but they're in my book up here on the altar. When we do them, we take them and we insert them into your bulletin. This is one of the reasons we print the bulletin, so that it's easier for you to participate when it comes to having those sections in front of you that aren't in the book here, but are in one of the other books that are up here. Introits are not listed in here. They are up here, but they're also available on our computer program, so we can put them into your worship service. The psalms are in here, and if you turn to the front of your book, you'll see that the psalms are listed there. Most of them, the ones that are set aside for worship services. Not every psalm is used in a public worship service, but in the front, you'll see them listed there 1 to 150, at which point, on page 151, the first divine service begins. Now, if you go back and count how many pages lead you up to page 151, guess what? You're going to find that there aren't 150 pages there. But there are 150 songs dedicated for worship, except for the ones that aren't. Most of them are there. Why do we do that? Not because we're counting pages, but because we're giving you an index in order to work your way through the hymnal in a way that makes sense. If you turn forward to page 332, 31 in fact, you'll find that the first hymn is not hymn number one, but it's hymn number 331. So there's one numbering system that guides the entire book, all the way through from start to finish. That's actually a new feature in this single than in previous singles. So there's one numbering system all the way through the Psalms, the services, the prayers, and then the hymns. So there is a hymn (laughs) 330. That's why we sometimes run out of threes during Advent. So we have these options, an introit, a section of psalm, a full psalm, or the entrance hymn. Sometimes we do a psalm, sometimes we do an introit. More often than not, you'll find that I pick a hymn for us to sing. There is a section of your hymnal that has the hymns for the opening of worship services. And there is a host of them, 12 or 20 of them give or take in that section, and they're in the 800s, of course, there isn't a 330, but, or earlier, but they're in the 800s, right before you get to the close of worship, yes. opening of worship and closing. Well, what does this do? What it does is it reminds us of where we are. We're in church now, as though the Confession and Absolution didn't do that, or the Invocation didn't do that. But it does underline the fact that this is a different time. This is a different place. Things that aren't of the world are going to be happening here over the course of the next hour. And I use that word hour, of course, loosely. Over the course of this next time. And it intends to invite you to... Put aside all the things that you were carrying with you on the way in and to focus your attention on the cross that is coming in to announce that Jesus is here with us and that we are now in the presence of God, having been prepared for that through the opening preparatory rite and the confession and absolution. So something different is happening here. Something not of this world, but of the spirit. Is happening in this place and at this time, and invites you also to consider some of the themes that are going to be talked about and shared over the course of the hour of worship. In fact, the introits are specifically chosen to coordinate with the gospel lesson and with the uh, and with the uh, Old Testament lessons for the day. They form one story, one connecting the dots of things that God wants you to hear and to take with you when you leave. Intro, it means he's coming in. On the one hand, it's referring to all of the assembled folks that are in robes coming to help conduct the service. But really, it's about the cross. Really, it's about Jesus coming into the space to be with you and to have conversation with you. And to bless you and to provide His gifts to you. One other thing that is that is uh, exemplified and and set up in in uh, for us to take note of because of these sections of the service, the service of the word is all conducted on the main floor, give or take. We're on this first riser here as we move into the service of the word in gen in gen it's when we start moving into the time of prayer and the preparation for the service of the sacrament that we go up to the altar so there's a progression of this entering into the presence of god that begins with the procession and our moving into the holiness and into the presence of God until finally, together, we kneel at the altar of God for the sacrament of the altar. But there are movements in the service already embedded as this time of the word is happening on this level and the time of the sacrament is happening on this further up level. When we come into the presence of God, The confession and absolution invites our humility, it invites our honesty, and it invites our vulnerability. But the hymn of entrance, the entrance hymn, the intro, the psalm for the day, these invite us into the joy of God's presence. So as we turn the page from I forgive you to I sing, this is the opportunity for us to lift up our heads and to rejoice that we are welcome here. Welcome in the presence of God and ready to receive the good benefits and good fruits of all that Christ has won for us. It is an invitation to meditate on the word that is going to be presented to us today. And it's an opportunity to express that joy and the anticipation that this procession, this procession doesn't end here today. But it is going to continue all the way through our lives, even through the the ins and outs of people coming and going in our midst as we share the word of God together. But as we join together with the procession of all God's people from Adam and Eve through all the saints of old up to our own day and into our unseen future we anticipate that the movement of God through his gospel is going to make that procession trail on and on and on throughout time and around the world and across cultures and across countries in order for the Lord to finally assemble a mighty host of all nations, languages, tribes, and peoples around his throne. So if you think to that Part of what we experience as the people of God, this idea of a procession following Jesus comes into this space to dedicate this time and place for this hour to hear the word of the Lord, but then also to go out and to share and to gather for the next round of that procession as it grows and as it gathers and as we play essentially this grand cosmic game follow the leader. Whatever Jesus is going to be doing, that is what we are going to be doing. Whatever he is going to be saying, that's what we're going to be saying. Whatever he is going to be walking, that is where we're going to be walking. Let us ever walk with Jesus, we say. And so this following the Lord begins at the beginning of the service. And as we learn again what we are to know, believe, teach, confess, what we are to believe and to share with neighbors, friends, family, and the like, that all of this comes to the fore when we gather ultimately at the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the day with all those who follow, know, love, and trust in him. So the procession is enacted, but it began a long time ago. And it's going to extend into the future. And our movement, our mission in Christ is to onward, go and gather his people under that banner, the cross. As he is lifted up, we have a focal point. We have our vision. We know exactly what we are up to. And as he is lifted up, we know where to follow him. We know where to go, wherever he is. We know in this place where to find respite from all the cares that the world would dump on us and that the Lord would lift from us. To know that his burden is easy and his service is light. And so, as we move out of the time of confession and absolution, We have a time to anticipate the Lord's word and to anticipate it with joy as we join in his walking up to the altar and then out into the world until we come to his final place of Sabbath rest around his very presence on that day. Until that moment, we have his Sabbath rest with us in his word and in his body and blood as we share in the gifts of the forgiveness that he's won for us. And so with that peace and in that hope, we move forward in this hour and into the many hours yet to be between Sundays, as we serve him in thought, word, and deed. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs)